welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are now certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our best lives by telling one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them and sharing personal stories of real people, we aim to destigmatize the process. Join us as we and our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the podcast, we sit down with Kylie Anderson, co-founder of Jetson Probiotics. Jetson is a brand that produces the world's only seasonal probiotics that change along with your body. Kylie discusses how, as a new mom, she opened her eyes to the world of probiotics and the importance of healthy gut bacteria for her own health and her baby. This inspired deeper research to create a high-quality probiotic program for both adults and children. On this episode, Kylie discusses her experience with C-section births, creating a healthy gut microbiome for children and adults, and how Jetson and Jetty products offer a probiotic program that is clinically validated, offers strain rotations, why that is important, and offers fresh and convenient probiotics monthly directly to your door for you or your whole family. Kylie offers up invaluable knowledge and we can say from experience using Jetson, our gut health has never been better. Kylie and the folks at Jetson have offered an incredible 40% off for our listeners' first orders, which you can use at checkout on their website, wearejetson.com, code CWJetson40, that's C-W-J-E-T-S-O-N 40, and you can find the link in our show notes. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle aluminum-free baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands and each and every time I was plagued with those red itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of Ellie's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful informed choices on safe ingredients. Milk and Honey is a female founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. 
If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. This episode is brought to you by Ned. If you've listened to this podcast, you know I struggle with anxiety that can often lead to disruption in my sleep. When I first learned about CBD being a natural and powerful solution to anxiety, sleep disorders, muscle pain, headaches, and so much more, I became very passionate about finding the best source to put in my body. Enter Ned. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer holistic alternatives to prescription and over-the-counter medicine. They only grow the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants and sourced from an independent farm in Colorado. I love that I can trust their transparent sourcing and that they always offer the cleanest product. I have now been taking the Ned Full Spectrum Hemp Oil 750 milligram tincture twice daily and have truly noticed a massive shift in my overall mood and anxiety levels. While I don't often struggle with anxiety, I regularly use and love Ned's natural cycle collections of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons to support hormone balance and ease period symptoms. These products source 100% organic and wild-crafted botanicals and are slow-crafted from seed to bottle by a group of extraordinary women. All Ned products are also non-psychotropic. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com forward slash CW podcast. That is H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CW podcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know that you're going to love these products. So you can also find the direct link in our show notes. So welcome, Kylie. We're so excited to have this conversation today and really dive into probiotics and the gut, um, which is my personal favorite topic to talk about. I'm pretty obsessed with gut health. Um, But to begin, can we talk about your own personal journey to the work that you're currently doing? Yeah, of course. So thank you both for having me, Allie and Erica. I'm happy to be here. I always love talking about gut health as well. So my personal journey with gut health really started when I became a mom and um, I was spending a lot more time thinking about health and nutrition because I cared so much about um, what my kids were going through and wanting to make sure that their bodies stayed as healthy as possible as they grew. And so with my first son, when he was born, he was breastfed, um, he was a C-section baby and he was insatiable. I just could not give him enough milk. So we transitioned him to formula. And through that process, I immediately started noticing negative changes with his digestion. And, um, and the pediatrician recommended I put him on a probiotic. I had only taken probiotics um, in the past when I had been on an antibiotic, because that was the only information that doctors had ever shared with me before. And um, I just felt like there was such little information out there for parents 
about what probiotic to give their kids. And so um, after reviewing all that research and trying to speak to doctors, it was a little frustrating as a parent not having um, more and better information. And when I had my second son, I was really struggling with, um, who was also a C-section baby, um, I was struggling with um, immunity with him. His older brother was bringing home every germ you can imagine from preschool. And um, I was looking for ways to help his immunity. And so again, I turned to, to probiotics. And um, Stefan White, who is my co-founder at Jeffen, has an autoimmune disease. He's had MS for 14 years. And so uh, just as a friend, I had heard him starting to talk a lot about gut health and gut health for adults. And I knew how transforming his gut health through a variety of things, um, drinking more water, decreasing caffeine intake, decreasing alcohol intake, de decreasing sugar, and, and adding a high-quality probiotic into his diet, how it was so transformative to his health, um, that the combination of those two things is what really made me more interested in gut health and wanted to start this company. That's, I mean, that's exciting. We love talking to people who sort of become entrepreneurs because of a need that they really have in their own life. Um, because then there's so much passion and, and mission behind their, their purpose for creating something. There's a different type of integrity sometimes when, um, when a product is really, I think, created from a need in, a, in someone's personal life. Um, and then, then that's then shared with the wider public or the wider, you know, sort of audience and, and consumers ultimately. Um, so I'm curious just to start off, you know, Erica and I do talk and touch on gut health depending on the topic of the episode, but it's probably been a while since we've done an episode on it. So um, just to start off for our listeners, if anybody is unfamiliar with sort of the, the importance of gut health and, and how it affects the entire body, really. It's not just a digestive issue and why, why they might be interested in their own gut health for reasons other than just like regular digestion. If you wanted to talk a little bit about that, um, that would be great. Yeah. Absolutely. So what I've learned over the past couple of years as I've dug into this space, um, because I too was one of those people that thought that um, gut health was really um, strictly only about um, digestion, right? And um, and are you going to the bathroom and are you going to the bathroom regu regularly and the consistency when you go to the bathroom and those types of things. I had no idea um, truly how multidimensional gut health is. So what I've learned is that gut health is really tied to almost almost everything in your body, right? Um, you know, we hear all the time that the gut is the second brain, but I don't think people truly understands what, understand what that is and what that means. So gut health is tied to mood. It's tied to sleep. It's tied to immunity, which we just talked about. It's tied to allergens. It's tied to weight, weight loss, um, bloating, really um, autoimmune, autoimmune diseases and, and, and other, other forms of disease are all kind of um, coming from the gut. And so it's, it's really a really extremely large topic um, that transcends all sorts of issues that, that people are having. We have customers that call us saying, I've been nauseous for years. And I, I focused on my gut health and, um, and all of a sudden, I'm not nauseous anymore, right? Nausea is, is not something that I um, would have thought before was specifically tied to gut health, right? But 
Um, when this customer started taking Jetson and focusing on her gut health, almost instantaneously, she started feeling better. Yeah, it's so fascinating to me. And like I said, it's it's one of my favorite topics and I nerd out about it. I read books about it. It was my favorite thing to learn about um, at IAN. Um, but yeah, it's just because like you're saying, it really is the key to our whole health, you know? Like I feel like most problems people are suffering with, um, usually something's going on with the gut, right? But we've just ignored or just not been, you know, doctors don't necessarily have all the information of the gut because it also has just recently started being studied. So, um, and really like diving into the trillions and trillions of little bugs that live inside and basically control everything, right? Like our mood, our immunity, everything. But I do think people are more familiar now than ever with probiotics, right? Um, and maybe they take it, but they don't really know what it's doing or, um, they don't even really know what they're taking. I feel like I even recently discovered that you could actually just be like basically taking placebos because the strains inside the probiotics you're taking could be dead because um, it's a living, you know, little good bugs inside of there. Um, yeah. So, and you know, Allie and I are also both C-section babies, um, 80s babies. babies. I feel like that was a very popular um, thing to be. I was um, a post 16 hour labor C-section, but my brother, by the time my brother came around, my mom was just like, yep, let's do another one, you know? So I feel like it was, it, it was so common and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are also C-section babies. So, um, mm -hmm. or have had C-section children. So I would love to go into again, like why probiotics, your probiotics, but also for all the C-section babies listening like us, is it ever this might be a stupid question, but is it ever too late to kind of heal your gut? I know Allie has always struggled with like allergies, like chronic allergies that, you know, could very well stem from being a C-section baby. And I had digestion issues, gosh, like my whole um, life up until honestly a few years ago um, when I started really taking like my health into my own hands. So is it like ever too late or how would you how do people even start with probiotics? Like, let's just get into it because I feel like there's so much to unpack here. Yeah, so you you just brought up a lot of really great topics. Um, so I'll do my best to answer your question. Also keep in mind, right, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. All the information I'm giving is um, information that I've heard from people that are smarter than me. And um, And, you know, I think when looking for a probiotic, I'll start there. Um, I fundamentally believe there are some key things that are crucial, right? So you touched on one of them, which is freshness. So the probiotics have to be alive in order for them to work. So we talk about this all the time with Jetson, right? You know, on the bottle, you see a CFU count, right? You see um, the number of strains that are in the product. But what you don't know is whether or not the 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 probiotics that were created initially, um, if, if they're at the same potency they are when they're created, um, by the time they get into your house, let alone into your gut. So often probiotics are made in big batches 
they sit in warehouses, they're sent to distribution centers, they're sent to um, retail, they might sit on shelf at retail, and then they get to your house by the time you finally purchase them. Maybe you've had them in your cabinet for a year before you even start to take them. And by then, the likelihood that the bugs are alive and fresh is probably pretty low. So at Jetson, we really focus on the amount of time it takes to get from um, manufacturing into the mouths of our customers so that they're getting a very high potency probiotic. So that's one thing to think about. The second is different strains have different studies supporting their benefits, right? So there are certain strains that might be helpful to you, Allie, with, with allergies and allergy relief or preventing you from experiencing seasonal allergies um, and might help a little bit. Not guaranteed, but they might help, right? Um, or with you, Erica, right, there are certain probiotic strains that can be really helpful with digestion. Um, and, and I think when you're looking for a probiotic, it's important to break it down and actually look at the strains that are in the probiotic that you're taking. First of all, are they named and numbered strains or are they just generic? Because there's a lot of generic strains out there. So make sure you're, you're taking strains that are named and numbered. Make sure you're, you find a, prep, a probiotic that has multiple strains. You're not just taking one or two strains. So what's great about Jetson is, Again, because we're changing our formula every season, we are, we are choosing what strains go into each seasonal formula based upon what your body is experiencing in that season, right? So in the spring, we're thinking about things like getting back outside, right? We're thinking about allergies. Um, and so we're thinking about immune function still, right? Because we're coming off of um, cold and flu season. So we take all of that into account when selecting our strains. The other piece that I want to talk about that's super important is strain diversity. So when you're taking the same strains over and over and over again, it's like anything, it, it, it stops being as effective, right? And we know that the more strains that are in your gut, um, the, diverse, the, the, the broader the diversity of your micro, microbiome, the healthier your gut is. And so by rotating the strains every season, that really helps us do that. So instead of, you know, you taking a probiotic that has three or four strains in it, you taking it all year long, our product, for example, you're getting 20 strains throughout the year because we're rotating them so often. I think that, yeah, that's something that, you know, a lot of people, I think we have a mentality actually, and it's not anybody's fault. It's just sort of like a cultural mentality that, you know, even with holistic health, this idea of just taking a pill or taking a supplement, like pill, I mean, not necessarily um, like a prescription drug. I just mean like an actual tablet and like, oh, I'm taking care of this. I'm taking care of that. Like, but to think about the fact that what am I actually ingesting? Is my body actually absorbing it? That's another thing. And then on top of that, like, the diversity aspect of it, it makes sense when you think about it. It's like you don't just eat one kind of even vegetable every day, right? Like right. our bodies, the more diverse of an environment, the stronger we can become in so many ways. And so um, it makes sense with probiotics too. And I think we sometimes can fall into these habits of just like, oh, this is the brand I use. This is the, this is like the quote unquote tablet pill I take. And that's just like, oh, I'm check you know, but it's like to think about actually what is this doing for me? And do, does my body, Eric and I talk about this a lot too. It's like, does my body need something different today than it might need three months from now, than it might need six months from now? You yeah. know, like even yeah. from a diet perspective, we talk about that, right? That our body chemistry changes. Um, so 
it makes sense too, just from like an overview, um, holistically that we would need diversity in strains so that it's, mm-hmm. that it, we can continue to respond in that way. Um, I'm curious what I would love to actually touch on now, cause that question like had so many aspects of it. And now that you sort of broken down, um, just the probiotics in general and taking them seasonally and the importance of diversity. Um, can we actually go back to talking about cesareans for a second? Because this is something I don't know if it's as widely known. Um, where for anybody who doesn't know, you know, a, a lot of the baby, when, when a baby is born vaginally through the birth canal, the baby receives a lot of the mother's um, bacteria. And a lot of that bacteria is very helpful for um, immunity, building the immune system, just as is breastfeeding, right? And when that doesn't happen due to C-section, sometimes, especially now after like a generation, listen, C-sections are obviously necessary sometimes, right? For birth. But, um, you know, 30 something years ago, I think it was even more common than it is now. I don't even know what the uh, statistics are in that, but um, yeah, about one third of babies today are born via cesarean section. Okay. So one third, I mean, that's not statistically insignificant. That's a lot of people mm-hmm. that are having them. So I think now there's more of an understanding of getting the babies, that bacteria that maybe we didn't sort of know about or think about 30, 35 years ago, whatever, you know, that when it became more just popular to do cesareans. But um, can you talk to us a little bit about that? And then in your own experience, because you had two C-section babies, did you know ahead of time that that was something that to be aware of? Or is that something that you learned just by your own children's sort of experience, A, with post-breastfeeding and then with the, um, you sort of like different things that were popping up for them? Great question. So, yeah, you know, depending on whether a baby is born via vaginal birth or delivery by cesarean, um, their gut colonizes differently, right? So um, a critical step in the birth process is when the infant um, is able to ingest this um, micro microbiome um, excretion coming from the mother, right, when passing through the birth canal. So if an infant is born through cesarean section, they're not being exposed to the same bacteria that they would be if they were going through the birth canal and, and all of those good probiotics, you know, were completely covering the baby, right? The, that those, those, you know, microscopic bacteria are going into their eyes and in their nose and in their mouth and through their skin and it's covering their body and giving them this, um, this great head start when entering into the world. And babies born via cesarean section, just they, they don't get that experience. And as a result, um, they are set up for um, a bit of a disadvantage on, on day one coming into the world because they don't have that same, that, that same support right from the beginning. Um, when it relates to me and my experience with my first son, who is now four years old, I didn't know anything about that process. That wasn't something that was um, part of uh, my discussions with my OBGYN or my, the pediatrician that I had selected. Um, I knew ahead of time I had to have a C-section. It wasn't an emergency C-section uh, just due to uh, 
some complications and some things that were going on, but it wasn't something that I was prepared for. With my second son, I had begun to do research around probiotics already. And so I, I knew about this important distinction. And I even asked at the hospital, I said, is there any way we could uh, take some of the, you know, secretions and put them on the baby after the C-section to help them get that exposure. And the hospital has certain liabilities and they're not able to do that. They actually I guess they get that question now a lot more often, especially in places like LA and New York and Chicago. And they, um, they said no, but I, I was at least aware with the second one and I got them on probiotics much faster. Yeah, that's really, it's really fascinating to me. It's fascinating all the research that's been done in only like a short sort of generation, right? Um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, getting kids on probiotics. What, mm-hmm. let's talk about your products, actually, the Jetty line, because we've talked a little bit about Jetson, but yeah. You know, uh, you know, we think of a probiotic sort of as a supplement in the sense of, you know, a tablet form or something like that. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you a create the lines that are sort of specified for kids and then how mm-hmm. how they actually take them? And then what is the age range? Like how quickly do you get them on it? So Jetty is our kids line. We have Jetty Baby, which is for kids zero to two. And we have Jetty Kids, which is for two to 13. Then from there, they can start taking the adult Jetson products. And our product comes in a flavorless, colorless powder. So it can be poured into milk, water, any liquid um, without kids knowing that it's there. It can also be put in food as well. But I know at least with my kids, I might make them a whole bowl of oatmeal and some days they'll ask for more and some days they'll only take three bites of it. So I like to put it in a liquid that I know they're going to finish. If, if it not at that sitting, then within the next hour or so. So, um, you know, to your question, I got my kids on probiotics. Well, my, my, my first son, as soon as I became more aware of the importance of them. So it wasn't until he was about three or four months old. And with my second son, he was on probiotics immediately. Probiotics do come in other forms. Uh, especially for kids, we see them often in a gummy. We didn't want to use a gummy because of all of the other additives and sugar that are in gummies, which are um, a uh, counterintuitive for gut health. Uh, for for kids and for babies, obviously, they they can't take them. I've seen drops as well, but we really like the the powder formula. How do you? I've never. This is like. It, you know, I'm in this world and I've never really thought about how my probiotics are being made and, and sourced as we're having this conversation. Um, of course, I think that's why I think a lot of people have, you know, brands and companies they trust. And then they're like, oh, I trust that they're doing their due diligence. But I'm like, this is an important thing to know about something we're putting in our yeah. bodies. Um, so can you talk a little bit about your sourcing and how, like we mentioned earlier, right? Like, I love that you are seasonal so that you know with your company, be it baby or adult, you're getting a wide variety of strains of bacteria um, in your body. But how, how do you source it and how do you also ensure that by the time it does get on your shelf that these products are still alive? Are your products refrigerated too or, um, and does that matter? 
so many great questions. So the first question around sourcing, I agree, it's incredibly important. And I think that a lot of people for so many years never really thought about that question, right? I, I, I think there's so much more transparency demanded and expected by the consumer today than ever before. So we have an incredible partner that we work with daily on the manufacturing of our products. There's a team of PhDs and scientists that are um, helping us with our formulations. We have a whole product team as well at Jetson uh, and Jetty. So my co-founder, Stefan White, um, spends a lot of time with the, with the scientists and, and not only people on our team, but we also have a gut council that we work with that's a combination of all different types of doctors that are helping weigh in on uh, what we do and you know, whether or not we feel like a strain is um, researched enough that it makes sense to include in our product or not. Um, you touched on refrigeration, right? And how do you know that when you're getting a bottle of Jetty or a, or a packet, or excuse me, a box of Jetty or a bottle of Jetson that, that it's fresh and it hasn't been sitting there forever. So we, uh, we create our products in small batch manufacturing, right? So we're not placing orders for hundreds of thousands of units that we're just storing somewhere. We're making new product every season. And, and so as a result of that, you're getting product so much faster than you would at any other company because it's obviously um, a much bigger headache for us. It's less profitable for us. The customer is getting a way better experience, which is important to us. So our product, um, the question about refrigeration is a good one, and it really depends on your home and where you keep your product. So I keep my jetty on, and my, excuse me, I keep my jetty in my pantry for my kids. And I keep my Jetson on my nightstand. Really, it's about making sure that the product is staying within a certain temperature range. So my home is always between 68 and 72 degrees. Um, I don't keep Jetson in my bathroom because it can get hot and steamy in there, right? But if I'm keeping my product somewhere that's visible in my house, that's not in direct sunlight, that's perfectly fine. When we tell people to refrigerate it, it's because if, if they if their house you know, it's, for some reason is going from 90 degrees during the day to 60 degrees at night, there's a lot of temperature variation, then we say, you know what, keep it in the refrigerator, it, it's much better to last longer. The other question you asked uh, around how do we know that the product is fresh, we also are constantly testing our products. So um, we actually just did a test on our summer product that we had produced last year because we were curious and we wanted to know how fresh it was. And most of the uh, probiotics in that bottle were still completely fresh. So some of that also gets to, again, the technology that we use to encapsulate these pills, how they're stored, um, and just gets to, again, um, truly how long most of these companies have pills sitting around, you know, in storerooms, at manufacturing centers, at distribution centers, et cetera, before they're actually making their way to customers. You know, something I, I like about you guys too is that you're direct to consumer so that people can um, order directly from you and have their monthly subscriptions as well, where it's like you're not worrying about, again, how long necessarily, like if you're getting it from um, a store shelf per se, like you don't know how long it's been there, but if you opt to do uh, a monthly subscription, it comes directly to you. And there's sort of like this commitment to knowing that at least what you're paying for is um, fresh. And I'd love to talk a little bit about price points because, you know, Erica and I, we, 
we're like in the wellness world in LA, but one thing that we always sort of bring up is that a lot of things that like present themselves as wellnessy or, you know, even just for like health improvement are really out of um, most people's price range. And it's, um, it's like for just some of the privileged few, not the many, but I have to say, like, I feel, you know, having seen a million sort of probiotic supplements and the price points for them, especially per what you get, like for the value, um, you guys seem to have like really affordable price points for what this is compared to what I've seen. And, um, yeah. How do you, like, is that something that you're, is like a commitment to your, you know, with your company or your, but how do you guys do that and, and make that possible? Yeah. So that was something that was really important to us from the beginning, because we felt like when we'd be shopping ourselves for probiotics, um, some of the best ones we could find and, and ones that we wanted to be taking ourselves were upwards of 50, 60, 70, $80 for an adult product. And, you know, we see, you know, some of the great um, competitors out there for kids, their product is for a kid's probiotic that's super high quality. And that just becomes so unsustainable for for the the vast majority of Americans. And so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do the best we could to stay direct to consumer, because we cut out the retail middleman, Mm -hmm. we cut out all of these, um, you know, additional people, whether that be we can we can fast forward through that right but all the people that end up taking a cut of the product which ends up jacking up the price for the everyday customer so yes that has been a huge focus for us we felt like it was really important we we wanted to make sure that we created something that as many people as possible could have access to yeah that's something i also learned recently which again seems pretty obvious but i think we all get so used to just shopping through like big online retailers that just come really quickly. Um, But I was, um, I think, listening to a podcast or reading an article, because again, this is something Allie and I are both so passionate about. Um, And it talked about like all of those big retailers that you're just clicking and buying, they all have websites, right? For the product, like all the products that are being sold on there have websites and you can often find the product cheaper through the consumer, right? So it was just such a great reminder of like, even I feel like all of us, especially this year, more than ever shopping online and maybe have like, you know, the big websites that we just click and ship. But I think it was such a good reminder to always just check the direct website of the product. And yeah, usually they have just as quick shipping for free and or, you know, it's, it's not that much different. And yeah, you know that you're getting like the fair price because somebody else isn't taking that cut. So I think that's very cool. Yeah. I think it's super easy to lean into the convenience that you can get from running in, you know, to a CVS or a Walgreens a block away or jumping on Amazon or Target or, you know, any of these websites that we're so used to shopping on. So we did the best we could to try and create as convenient of an experience as possible for the customer by offering, you know, Uh, fast, free shipping, right? By creating a subscribe and save option so that uh, people that are subscribing get better prices, people that uh, purchase multiple months at a time, ahead of time, get better prices so that uh, we can, we can keep up because as as a small business, it's, it's really hard, obviously, to keep up um, with things like prices, uh, viewership, eyeballs, 
when you're dealing with some of these hugely successful companies, retailers specifically. One other thing that I think it would be interesting to talk about, there's been more and more of a fusion between Eastern and Western um, methodologies, thinking, practice over the last call it five, 10 years. And, and, but yet I don't think that the traditional uh, Western world in terms of doctors, um, providers have um, gotten enough of the education that they mm-hmm. would be so great for them to have. I've, yeah. I've spoken to my OBGYN about this. I said, have you ever taken classes in nutrition? Do you ever talk to your, your um, patients, your, your, um, your customers about nutrition before giving birth, during giving birth, after giving birth, you know, what are the nutrients and the the vitamins and everything that your body is uh, completely depleted of after having a baby, right? You know, with my first one, I pumped my body through full of, you know, donuts and brioche bread was my, you know, my kryptonite, right? When I was, when I had just given birth and when I was breastfeeding and trying to make milk and stay up late. And with my, with my second, I completely changed all of it, right? I was giving myself tons of leafy greens and, you know, rich broths and, and things that were going to help spur healing and digestion and, you know, replenishing my body with everything that had just been wiped away by having a baby. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is so interesting that like you're saying that, um, Eastern and Western fusion that I do feel like is really important because we need both, but it does really surprise me how still with, you know, my, you know, general practitioner in Santa Monica, California, like liberal hippie Santa Monica, um, you know, he literally told me and I love him and I think he's a great doctor. But, you know, he doesn't even really believe in vitamins. He's like, oh, it's just like taking magic. And I was like, "Mm, I don't fully agree with you. And so I'm going to keep taking my vitamins. And then on the other end of that, you know, I have an incredible um, holistic nutritionist but she's just as extreme on the other end, right? Like she's like so, and I'm not, I haven't been on an antibiotic in a quite a many years actually, but she is like never taken antibiotic and like on just the opposite extreme. Right. And I think I fall somewhere in the middle and I'm really grateful that I have the knowledge because I can have this, I can have two really great doctors that maybe are on different ends of the spectrum. And then because I have the knowledge and experience, I know how to be my own health advocate and I know how to do my own research and take care of myself. But I think, I just think we live in such like a polarizing time, which is like a different conversation. But I think the fusion is really important because I think people do still see doctors that don't believe in any sort of Eastern practice and then, or they have their Eastern practice and then they don't trust Western doctors too. So it's, it's just an interesting place to be right now. Kylie, you bring up a good point that like most doctors don't get any nutrition in medical school. And, and I think I heard like the average amount of hours that like, um, if you're going to become any sort of doctor that you get in, in medical school is 19 hours. That's it. I heard nutrition. less than that. Really? Okay. Yeah. So like, yeah. And, that's like less than a week of school in years of schooling, right? Like a less than a week of, you know, class hours on something. And it's just, it's mind boggling. And, and yeah, these maybe are like bigger conversations for other, you know, other shows, but it's, um, 
it's interesting because I think your point is really important even in your own experience where like had you been set up or just given a little bit more information maybe in your first pregnancy, it would have been maybe a slightly different experience, which then you sort of did your second time around. And, but that was because of your own interest in it. You think about how many people trust their doctors and, and maybe rightfully so, but you know, just because someone is an MD doesn't mean they're infallible and like all knowing necessarily. And, you know, that's something that I've experienced too in my own health journey is that I've had wonderful Western doctors, right? Like when I've needed surgeries and like was recovering from cancer, all that kind of stuff, I, you know, so grateful for them. But at the same time, there was no real like holistic approach and everybody had a differing opinion. And at the end of the day, what I had to learn for myself was that what, what mattered most of all was my own opinion <laughs> and really getting in touch with my body and being an advocate for my own health. Because at the end of the day, that, that's what we need to be, especially in a system, again, a bigger conversation that oftentimes just perpetuates keeping people sick um, because that's what's profitable. And um, something as like whole foods are incredibly powerful in your diet, right? As a, as a prebiotic, right? If you have this basic understanding of what happens in the gut and, you know, immunity has been the topic of conversation so much recently too. And how, as Erica likes to call it, like the little bugs, how the bugs can work for you or against you. And sure. so, um, just, you know, even your story is such a, I think a relatable one for so many people whether they're moms or not, is just being, you know, your own health advocate. Well, and you mentioned, like, what kind of difference did you notice between your two pregnancies with more of the knowledge in the second pregnancy? Because I think a lot of times two people think there won't be much of a difference, or maybe that's like what the Western doctors who weren't very much trained in nutrition are like, there's no difference. Don't worry about it. So, um, yeah. What kind of difference did you notice between your two pregnancies? It's a great question. Um, I just wanted to touch really quickly also on what you said, Allie, before, I think, um, something we hear all the time from parents is, before I give my baby anything, I want to check with my doctor, which I totally understand. And I've been there and I was that parent, right? But doctors don't know that much about probiotics. Most pediatricians know barely anything about probiotics and they'll be the first ones to admit that. I was just talking to a pediatrician last week who is extremely tenured and widely respected in her field. And she said, I just haven't spent much time on it. She said, I've, I've, I've recommended probiotics to colicky babies, but I don't know enough about, you know, the research that's come out over the last couple of years. And therefore, no, I haven't dug, in, dug into the science, haven't spent the time on it. And so I don't recommend, I don't recommend them because I don't know enough. And, and so to your question about what was the difference between my first and second pregnancy, my first pregnancy was, you know, me speaking with doctors and, and purely, I think, relying on them telling me what they knew and following their guidance and instruction. Because as a first time parent, you're just terrified. You're terrified to do something wrong. You're terrified to hurt this beautiful, innocent, perfect creature that you've brought into the world. And the last thing you want to do is screw that up, right? And so, and what do you know? This is just your first time. And I think by the time I had my second, 
not only had I been through it, I was a little bit older, I developed more confidence, and I had put, I had had more time to think about it and put in the work and do the research myself so that I could combine the good advice that I was able to get from doctors and pediatricians, also with my own common sense, my own research, and the information that I'd been collecting from other people um, in the community that weren't just kind of the, the standard practicing pediatricians or OBGYNs. Yeah, I think that's good advice in general is that like, obviously you can listen to any respected healthcare provider, but that you can also trust yourself, right? As a parent or as just a, a health advocate. Um, if you've, if you've done some of your own research and you've started to explore it, you don't, you don't need to just rely on one person. Right. Um, so I think that's sort of generally, I like, I like that sort of point of view in any sort of health um, experience because, like I said, even in my own story, what it really taught me was to, to truly – that I am the expert on my body and I can listen and gather as much information as possible to help me make an informed decision for myself, um, but ultimately – no one is more of an expert on my body than me. And that's not something that we're taught. I think moms aren't taught that as they're going into, you know, in pregnancy. I think so many women are taught like they don't know what to do. And obviously it's like, I'm not a mom. I'm sure it's very scary first time around, but it's like, you're also a, a female body that like also biologically sort of knows what to do too. And so it's like, I think there's been this sort of disempowerment in medicine and in sort of like the health world of like, you don't know best kind of thing. And um, if you, I just always say like, if there's a real intuitive feeling or if there's a gut feeling or if you need to get a second opinion, if you don't like trust that there's nothing ever wrong with getting more information to help your decision-making. I think those are all such great points. And I think what we do know is Eating, eating well, um, practicing some of these Western methodologies and new thinking, as long as you know it's not going to hurt you, there's no reason why you shouldn't try, right? So with probiotics, any pediatrician, any doctor that you speak to, you, if you ask them, is a probiotic going to hurt my baby, right? And let's, let's throw out pre-existing conditions. Let's throw out um, yeah. patients that are taking, you know, certain medications that might have, you know, negative implications when, you know, crossed with a probiotic, because of course those are all specific circumstances. But if you take those equate, you know, out of the equation, I think probiotics are not going to hurt you. They, they will only help. Yeah. They might, they might not do anything, right? But they're not going to hurt. And so why not, if you think you have the opportunity to better the way that you feel in your own body or to better the way your child who can't advocate for themselves feels, why not, why not try it instead of waiting and relying on um, medical experts that you rely on to go spend the time doing the research themselves to, to get to exactly how they think this might help. So. Right. Yeah, I think that's all great advice. Um, so, and and I think it's really great that you also said like disclaimer, and this is something, you know, we talk about a lot, but this is probably information for the majority. But like if you are, if someone's listening and they're not sure or they're having, especially I would say if they're having sort of inexplicable gut issues, 
maybe see someone first before putting yourself on a probiotic. There's a couple situations, one that I've been through, which is when you have um, a SIBO diagnosis that in that particular time period, you might not want to be on a probiotic you, um, because of bacterial overgrowth and that type of thing, um, which is awful. I don't wish on anybody. I've had that. So if you have like some really crazy symptoms going on before you start to try to treat that, like obviously go seek professional um, advice. But yeah, for like the regular person who just sort of wants to improve their overall health, what's it going to do? It's not, you know, we take pharmaceuticals like they're candy and there's always side effects. And this is, this is nature. These are natural strains of bacteria, right? That already exist anyway inside of us. Exactly. I mean, it just even your standard cough, cough medicine and things like that, there are crazy disclaimer languages on the back. This might cause dizziness, nausea, diarrhea, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And, and we don't have any of that. Um, but I do, I, I do also want to circle back to another important disclaimer piece that you brought up earlier, Erica, around supplements, which is, you know, the FDA is not regulating supplements. They're not, they're not regulating probiotics. And so you do have to be your own advocate. You do need to do the research, be smart, be thoughtful about what you're putting into your body um, to make sure that you're getting good, high quality supplements because you just don't know. And I think that's why, like, you know, Allie and I are integrative nutrition health coaches. And I think a lot of doctors are partnering with health coaches too, and even companies in different places like that, because, um, there has to be some sort of bridge, right. Um, as well. And, but at the end of the day, no bridge is, um, we definitely encourage all of our clients to do their research and read articles we send them because at the end of the day, you, you know, your body best and you have to know what you're putting into it. So I think it's really cool. And I think your company is so awesome. <laughs> I love everything about it. So, you know, we always ask our guests um, a couple of questions as we begin to wrap up. And the first is, what um, do your personal self-care practices look like? What are some non-negotiables in your life? And I know this year has been a crazy one and self-care has maybe had to evolve in different ways. So it can be what it used to look like, what it looks like now, or what you hope it will also look like in the future again. Yeah. So in terms of self-care, I think having me time is the most important. I think, especially for me as a parent, I wake up and I'm in go mode with my kids and before even driving to and from work, being in the car for 15 minutes was a really great um, reset for me where I could just be alone, think, you know, not think. And, and, and I don't have that right now. And so um, instead it's kind of transitioned to the end of the day, just finding that time and that space. I think getting outside is super important for me and for my mental health, whether it's raining and you're feeling the rain, you know, fall on your skin and your face and just kind of breathing in that smell or, or the same with the sunshine. I think just the outdoors is so peaceful and relaxing. And I think that's, that's a big part of self-care for me in, in kind of COVID days. And I know most people are, are 
constantly joking about how people that put genes on are psychopaths. I am totally one of those people. I am one of those psychopaths. I, I was the same way when I was in, in high school and college. I would always get dressed for finals. Um, and I get dressed today still. I, I put jeans on. I'll put on a sweater. I'll do my makeup because I feel like I don't want every day to feel the same. I don't want, if I, if I feel gross, I'll, I'll, it, that just kind of resonates and ruminates through everything that I'm doing. And, um, and so I really try and that, that helps with self-care for me, surely. Yeah, that's great. Um, I'm inspired to do more of that. <laughs> no, I, it's so funny. Cause I was like, I actually have started doing that a little bit and it does actually make a shift in the way you just sort of like carry yourself throughout the day. Um, okay. So our last question before we fully wrap up is that, um, do you have a book that has, um, meant something, I don't know, special to you or has been particularly impactful in your own, um, journey? And it can be just sort of something that's inspirational or something specific to this topic. It doesn't really matter, but do you have a recommendation for our listeners? Ooh, so I don't have a book recommendation specific to this topic. My book interests tend to be more focused around business or, um, or more introspection and kind of self-improvement. So a book that I've read probably 12 times is The Alchemist. I love that book. It's such a beautiful book. I try and read it every year. Um, I have so many notes scribbled inside of it. So if you haven't read that book and, and you're looking for a great kind of introspective weekend because it's a short read. I highly recommend that. Um, and a business book that I love is The Hard Thing About Hard Things. So I, I would check that out. Um, as an entrepreneur, it's been super inspiring to me. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your story with us today. If anyone wants to find Jetson or Jetty products or find you on the internet, where can they follow along? So our website is wearejetson.com where you can find Jetty and Jetson. You can find us on every social platform from Instagram to YouTube, Facebook, even TikTok. Um, our Instagram handle is at wearejetson for Jetson and Jetty. It's just at Jetty, J-E-T-T-I-E. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch through our website, www.courageouswellnesspodcast.com. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.